Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. The Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I'll tell you right now, four day, 4th of July weekend. That's a great time to buy a car, isn't it? And they've got the great products, the great sales staff, and a Terrific service department. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. And the 2-1. A swing and a fly ball out to right center field. And this one is gone! Josh Bell is in his third home run tonight! The first Pirate switch hitter to ever hit three home runs in a game. A career-high seven RBIs. He hit a laser just over the wall in right center. And the Pirates are flogging the Cubs 18-5. Joe Block with the call on the Pirates Radio Network. What a night for Josh Bell. He continues his tear He may have as many RBIs at the All-Star break this year as he had all of last year. He had 90 last year, an impressive number. He's on a 140 RBI pace. We're going to get into the Phillies in the final half hour with Matt Leon. Tomorrow we're going to have Ryan Snyder on Penn State football recruiting. Now, let's shift gears to the NFL. Let's bring in Neil Kulong. Neil, always reliable, always dependable. The man, happy 4th of July to you and yours. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing well. And to you and yours, by the way, happy and safe 4th. Definitely, definitely. We hope so. uh, I'm a big fan of extending holidays to last a week as opposed to just a day. So I'm I'm in holiday mode right now. There you go. Perfect. I mean, that, in fact, the show, our feet, they're up right now. Okay. Uh, Let's. uh, (laughs) Peter King is uh, uh, his column, his weekly column. He's on vacation right now. So he's been turning it over to various individuals. Along the way to write it, Fred Goodelli wrote about uh, Sunday Night Football and his thoughts, and he had uh, Rich Eisen write it. This week, he had a fan from Idaho, from a small town in Idaho, that's about two hours from Boise and about 45 minutes from Twin Falls, write about how much they love football in Idaho. And it was one of those like, oh, really? I'll bypass this. And I thought, well, let's read a little bit. It was fascinating, actually, to read about it because of the opinions in a small town. So this leads to what I want to ask you. You talk to a lot of people. Pittsburgh is not Pittsburgh is a city, but it's not Chicago, New York, uh, L.A. It's not. There's a lot of small town to Pittsburgh still there. Is the popularity of the game, in your opinion, in talking to people there compared to 5, 10, 15 years ago? Um, it's, it's an interesting question with the right backdrop. I, I think in, in many ways, um, 
the consensus opinion can form at a national level, but it seems like the action is taken at a smaller level. And what I mean by that is, it, it, in many ways, those opinions are hardened and held true more consistently uh, among a, a, a smaller audience, if you will. Um, I would say definitely not. I don't think that it is um, largely because of something that I don't think anybody can really put one finger on, but I generally describe it as, I, in many ways, I don't think it's as fun as it used to be. That has nothing to do with end zone celebration. Right, I understand. Yeah. With, hit, no, with I, hits on the quarterback or anything like that. It, it's just, you don't have the same level of excitement that you used to. And I think there are a variety of reasons for that. I'm not sure if any one is bigger than another, but there's always something that's in the headlines that kind of, you know, makes it seem less enjoyable than it used to. The game, I'm talking about the pro game, not the college game. The pro game to me seems a little more, quote, surgical now, um, less risk taking. And then you combine the off the field stuff where it then, you know, it turns into a soap opera. Am I, le- am I on the right track here with you? I think surgical is a, is a good word for it. Um, I would use administrative. Yeah, And I think that is what makes the off-the-field soap opera stuff stand more prominently. Um, nowadays, it's really less of, hey, this guy is getting suspended or this guy did something. Your team is terrible. That's why we're going to beat you. And more of, here we go again. Now we have to sit and debate all the rules that come with this, yes. and different scenarios that it could be. It's all much more legal, you know, and it, that's, right. that's not fun. I mean, I don't think that the right. common fan really enjoys uh, that perspective of the game. But nowadays, and certainly in media, um, you have to know all of the, you know, you almost get a, a, a very, you know, you could pass a, a 100 level. Uh, law school class with what you have to know uh, in covering the NFL now. And that, that did not used to be the case. Right. I mean, 15 years ago, it was much more about football. It was about the game itself. Now, part of the game um, are all of the, the, the consequences that come with these infractions that we're now having to study and know instead of, oh man, Ezekiel Elliott somehow got in trouble again and now he's you know going to have to talk to the commissioner. Instead of just talking about that on space, it's going over the entire history past precedent of other suspensions what else could happen to him what level of game you know suspension could he be looking at all these things that have absolutely nothing to do with football but are still on the the forefront of conversation because they have to be i mean it's a short season any amount of suspension is is a big deal for any team uh it's just not about the game itself it's now about what players are not going to play the game um, I, I think inherently that's just not all that enjoyable. I, I think it's something that they absolutely need to fix to, to some degree, I mean, whatever degree that right. they can. Um, they didn't have these problems not that long ago. If, if a player was talked to by police, released, not charged, the league didn't have to get involved. That's now right. they do. Right, and the, the other part that's also administrative, look, instant replay is a part of the, quote, administrative part. I mean, they're stopping the game so often for, quote, administration. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I think you define it with that. It, it, at some point, you would think that the majority of fans would rather just see the game continue for whatever it is. But because of the, the little steps the NFL has taken uh, over the years in an effort to perfect an imperfect product, right? they've taken away 
just the simple, and this sounds weird, but the simple act and joy of being a sports fan, which is criticizing the officials. You can't really do that anymore because now everything has to have a consequence that comes with it. We have to make sure. We have to double-check absolutely everything. In, in what world was this game ever perfect? They, they measure 10 yards with six for, for crying out loud. I know, and a chain. You're never going to get past that. Right. It's never going to change. Why even try? I mean, it, to me, it, it, it's a battle that you can't win, but they're fighting for it anyway. And it's not even like a, a grand symbolic gesture. You're not doing this to, to try to make the game better. You're really not. Because in a lot of cases, and this is the cliche example to go back on, but Des Bryant in, in the playoffs, to, to everything that we know about the game of football, that was a catch, that was a touchdown. Sure, exactly. You know? Right. So, so why, why try to fix that? You know, it, it, to what degree is being right or wrong in what we saw, specifically in what we saw? To, to what degree is it worth uh, what you brought on to that situation and creating a, a, essentially a martyr figure moment uh, for the league. In, in what way does that make anything better? In what way did you solve a problem? That wasn't a problem. It was a tough play to, to call. I get that. But the official's right there. Right. He's watching it. Let him make the call. You know, there, there's nothing wrong in that. There's, there's no way that you can say naturally in, in the, the, the course of the game as we know it, as it's played, there's no way you can reasonably say that wasn't a catch and a touchdown. Just, or maybe he was down before the, the, the goal line. I forget the exact sequence. But right. it, to me, that was a catch. Sure. Take that away. It that, that's one separate argument that we could make. And I promise you it would, would be maybe one-third of the, the volatility we've gotten out of that situation if they didn't go frame by frame and evoke a, a, a weird, in, in many ways, senseless rule uh, that was implemented to enforce upon a situation like this that has no significant impact to uh, the integrity of the play. You know, and then I've just said a mouthful, I know, but you could have called that a catch and the game would have gone on just fine. The fact that you had to put it under a microscope and take a look at, at so many things, it just it, it takes away from the integrity of the game itself. Let the game be the game. Let the game be played. He caught the ball. He went to the ground. It, it doesn't, you know, we don't need NASA to determine whether the ball moved or not and have that be the resting point of whether or not that should have been called a completion. The official was right there. He came down with the ball. That's football. You, you have to deal with those guys those kinds of things. The NBA is an interesting organization. I'm not going to say I agree with everything they're thinking, but they do throw out ideas that are that are interesting. And for the 75th season coming up, they're at least in the brainstorming area, throwing out, maybe we'll play 58, 60 games. In other words, we'll play fewer games and more rest and maybe have a better product. Now they're just they're brainstorming. Conversely, the NFL, instead of thinking less is more, is thinking about and again for how many times have they proposed this going to eighteen games. Um, it's not exciting to watch Josh Dobbs quarterback a game against uh, Kyle Lalata in December. <laughs> okay, uh, how do you feel about? the 18-game thing, and is it one of those negotiating ploys for the owners to get something in exchange for something? I would say this. If my boss came to me tomorrow and asked me if I wanted a million dollars, I would say, sure, if you want to pay me for that. Um, If we look at the scope of my job, the company that I work for, if 
I were to look at it in that perspective and, and say, it makes a lot of financial sense and I have a ton of job security if I'm making that much money, um, I'd be all for it. In the NFL's case, 18 games gives the owners more money. They, they want the revenue, obviously, but what's the real price for that? Are you able to, to sustain what you're doing at that, <clears throat> at that level of um, performance, of, of exposure? There's no way in the world you could claim that, that that's going to happen. Um, to me, I, I don't think the owners are legitimately pushing for 18 games. I think it's an easy way for them to say, whatever it is that you want, union, that's fine if you include an 18-game schedule. I think it's a, a natural filibuster, if you will, to, to kind of you know negate the whole argument the other side would be making. It, it's a card that they can play that, that's otherwise meaningless. I don't know if there's a term for that in anything, but when it comes to negotiation, I don't think the owners necessarily even want that. I think they would take it if it was given to them for whatever reason they would want to do that. But it, it's an easy um, point of leverage in you know it talks of the current CBA that they're in uh, that they can use that they would get something out of it ultimately if they have to agree to something that they really don't want to do from the players. They can put that in there and then let the players decide so they can say after it's all said and done, well, it's collectively bargained. You guys agreed to it, so here you go. Um, I, I don't think it's in anyone's best interest in the long run, certainly not the fans, um, to, to play 18 games. I think on, on one hand, this isn't the first reason, just the first one that came to my head, you screw up the record books. Um, you're going to screw up the playoff picture sure. uh, much more than you used to. Uh, there's a level of fatigue that, that sets in about the middle third of the season that most people don't really identify. The contenders aren't quite contenders yet. Uh, the teams that are just absolutely terrible are in the middle of an absolutely terrible year. Right. It's too far, really, from the draft. Um, you know, it, 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 there was a point in the middle of, of the, what was it, 2012 or 2013, I think it was, when Geno Smith was thought to be the top overall prospect in the NFL. Right. Things change. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of attuned to that as a fan. Um, adding two more games to, to stretch out the season even more, uh, it, it's only going to increase that fatigue factor, uh, both yes. figuratively, figuratively and literally. The players are going to get beaten down. Um, to a point where, and this, this is a problem with the NBA, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think it's a great parallel. They are interested in reducing the amount of games, at least talking about it, because you can't force the players to play every single night. So then they're not going to. What do you think is going to happen in the NFL? They're just not going to play guys two more games a year. Um, to your point, Laletta versus Dobbs, yeah, no one wants to watch that at all. Now you know it's going to happen. It's not like it's at risk or anything. It's going to happen because you have more opportunity to make up the games that you lost um, and, and to, to give Ben Roethlisberger a break. And I don't even know what team Lola plays for. But it, it, top to bottom, it, it's only going to create a, the lengthening of something that is really at its best in the marketplace and at the top of the marketplace because they don't play enough games to make any game insignificant. Right. The NBA can easily lop off 12 games. Right. If those are the 12 games in which you can guarantee that you're going to see Kawhi Leonard play. Um, otherwise, he's going to take a day or two off because he's got to play every playoff. Right. They know that. So they're, they're eliminating something that's already there in the market anyway. They're just kind of trying to be truthful about it. And for me, I would, you know, if, if it was um, as intense as the NFL, if they could match that, uh, you know, game for game intensity, I'd be much more into the NBA. It's just there are way too many regular season games that really don't mean anything to most teams that are playing. 
Um, and the, the good teams towards the end don't really care about them a whole lot either. So lessening games in that regard makes a lot more sense. In the NFL, I think they have a great number. They've dialed into a, a, right. a I agree with that. Yep. specific, intense uh, amount of action that they want to show. I, I don't see any reason at all to increase the, the you know, amount of games that they have, uh, except to, to tack on you know, a few extra bucks in, in terms of revenue, which I, I don't, you know, obviously it's not my money, but they're making plenty. They really should be looking out more for the, the the overall health of their league, and that includes the optics that surround such decisions. Right, yeah. Kawhi Leonard played 60 games this year, but deliberately played 60. Toronto held him out deliberately in 22 games, so he'd be fresh for what he ended up doing. Uh, have a great, happy, safe fourth, Neil. Appreciate it very much, and good luck in that search for the million dollars for management. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks a lot. I'm going to keep working now. Neil Kulong, USA Today. Matt Leon from Philadelphia talking about the Phillies and Sixers final half hour. Ryan Snyder on Penn State football recruiting tomorrow. As we continue, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570-286-5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Well, a big moment between the U.S. and England. England scored to tie it at two. And it was disallowed on offside. It is a rule that... Uh, I think there's an uh, there's obvious offside. Okay, you just can't just station people down at the other end of the field just waiting for to take shots. But too often... I, I don't. Know. I, I don't like. I don't like the uh, like. If if you're good enough to get past somebody, you're good enough to get past somebody. <laughs> Simple as that. I don't know. I don't don't like the call. I didn't like this call. I mean, I'm glad from a U.S. point of view. Obviously, I want the U.S. to win. Uh, but I looked at. It, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. Me. It's interesting really? when you go to these VAR replays. It, I, I, I kind of hark back to March Madness. It's like all these different angles they're looking at, and it's like. It just seems like the longer they look at it, the more they overanalyze it, the more complicated they make it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just. Look, you got beat. Okay, that's why she was a quarter step ahead of you. Okay, you got beat. It's your fault. <laughs> okay, and 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 a, and a ticky, and I think it's ticky tack. A ticky tack rule bailed you out because you got beat. Yeah, I mean it's good for the U.S., but still, and the U.S. is still up two-one. I think they're in the what at least what the seventy-first minute. Does that sound right? And of course, with the reviews and a couple of injuries along the way, I can see them tacking on five minutes at the end of this. But I, you know, to be honest with you, it looked like a goal to me. It looked like a good goal to me, but it's not what they ruled. Plus, for us. Uh, 
you know, and you don't have to be sit there and be, oh, a sophisticated soccer aficionado. You don't seem to understand the rule. No, I I understand that. You know, I I do I I I've done a lot of other sports in my lifetime that have offsides. Right, soccer has soccer's rules on offsides, especially in a sport that doesn't have a lot of scoring. I'm sorry, you get beat, you get beat. And on that goal, she just flat out beat beat the U.S. defense of the ball. Oh, well. U.S. will take it. Final half hour, let's get into the Phillies. Bryce Harper, the lineup, the pitching staff. We'll talk about the Sixers. They offer the max deal, by the way, to Ben Simmons today. $173 million over five years. We haven't heard about that kind of cash since the last digital media meeting. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applications applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. U.S. leads England 2-1. Climbing toward the 80th minute. Our thanks today to Chris Mack joining us from Pittsburgh, to Neil Kulong on the NFL. In a few moments, Matt Leon from Philadelphia on the Phillies and the Sixers. Tomorrow, Ryan Snyder on Penn State football recruiting. So with that, let's bring in Matt Leon. Matt, welcome, my friend. It is always great to have you with us. Good to be with you, and same to you, my friend. I appreciate that. Um, your most recent podcast, and, uh, oh, and and Matt, help me out on the name one more time of the official name of the podcast so people can find it. One on one with Matt Leon. One on one with Matt Leon was with Mark Zumoff, who is uh, not only a great pro but one of to me one of the just really nice guys in this business. What did you learn from him that maybe you had not known about him before? Well, one of the interesting things is kind of how he, because he's a KYW News Radio alum. 
he uh he worked here uh one of his first jobs out of college and he actually got his tv start uh doing philadelphia fever misl games the old major indoor soccer league and how he got the gig was he got a one game tryout uh, a a hot tryout where he did a game and they were going to decide whether to give him the gig going forward and uh he says they guess they were a little nervous about giving this guy a tryout so instead of the regular analyst who was a former player, they paired him with Harry Callis. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he uh, got his start in TV, and he got the Fever gig. And the Fever eventually had some games that were on Prism, and Prism had the Sixers. He started doing the Sixers halftime, and the rest is history. So, uh, But uh, a Philly kid whose TV you know, baptism was uh, riding shotgun next to his childhood idol, idol uh, Harry Callis. I thought that was pretty cool. All right, so, uh, but here's the next part. When you're doing the Sixers, the Sixers went through that period where they felt the best way uh, to go about getting where they are today is to take a route that included losing. How gratifying is the job for him today because the Sixers, the plan has paid off with the Joel Embiid's and the Ben Simmons of the world? Oh, I think it, it's in. It's enjoyable because not just from it that it works, but uh, you know you're talking about not just a good team, but a dynamic team that really, you know, I think if you were to talk about the the three most talked about teams in the NBA, the Sixers are probably in that discussion, and uh, to be doing games at that level with uh, young ascending stars, uh, it, it, it's really special. But I like you said, I think it's made even more special the the fact that you had to kind of uh, wander around in the wilderness for three or four years uh, watching some some pretty brutal basketball. So let's get to the Sixers. They sign Al Horford big. They keep Tobias Harris, but they lose Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick. So what is the net plus and minus out of this for the Sixers, in your opinion? Um, It's hard to say right now. I'm fascinated by how this is going to play out. Uh, I was genuinely surprised about J.J. Redick. Uh, and I wasn't even so much surprised that he left as he left to go to the Pelicans. Uh, I didn't see that one coming. Right. And uh, I was really hoping they'd keep Jimmy Butler. Uh, it sounds like, though, and now a lot of this is spin coming out of the different camps that uh, the Sixers tried to do what they needed to do, and maybe he just didn't want to be here, which, you know, if that's the case, then uh, you made a good effort and you move on. Um the Sixers, I've said this to people, when you've got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and you surround them with a roster of professionals, I don't even mean above average guys, I think professionals, I think in today's NBA you're a 50-win team right there. So you're kind of building off of that as your floor. Uh, you know, Horford and, and Bede next to each other, it's going to – Brett Brown's going to have to rethink some things offensively, but the potential is – really, really interesting, and defensively they're just going to be incredible to deal with. You're just talking about height and length all over the place, really all five spots on the floor. Uh, So they are going to be difficult on defense. Uh, I thought Tobias Harris, I'll be interested to see how Tobias Harris improves here with a full year of a full offseason with the Sixers, a full training camp with the Sixers, uh, and stuff like that. I mean, I think he was good last year once they acquired him. 
but I think maybe he might have gotten a little squeezed out with Jimmy Butler being here and obviously with Simmons and, and Embiid. But uh, it, it's going to be fun. And let's not undersell uh, the, the, the Richardson kid they got from Miami yes. in the Jimmy Butler signing trail. He's mm-hmm. an ascending player. I'm not going to sit here and say I watch a lot of Miami basketball, but the numbers look good. And I think anytime you can get a, a player who's on his way up uh, in a deal like that and plug him in, that's a, that's a very good thing. So they're going to be very good. I mean, we are kind of to the point with this roster now where you're debating, you know, are they championship level or are they, you know, uh, just second round in the playoffs good. I think they're yeah. – there's that much talent. And uh, I think you will kind of look at it, depth is kind of an issue, but I kind of put an asterisk next to that because I think uh, the kid they drafted in the first round last year, Zaire Smith, who yes. missed basically the entire season with injury and illness, uh, is kind of a wild card that people have forgotten about who uh, could really maybe not be a starter but be a big plug-and-play kid off the bench. Matisse Thibault, the kid they drafted in the first round this year, uh, I – who can defend and if you can defend yeah and if you can do that as a rookie you'll they'll find minutes especially on a brett brown team so i i know people have concerns about the depth and would like to add see them at a b and c but i think they might have some uh some answers already in-house that could help lengthen the rotation and uh complement the the star power they're going to bring to the table uh, uh, used a word in that answer along the way, surrounded by professionals. To me, just personal opinion outside looking in, I've always looked at Al Horford as a pro's pro. Is that how mm-hmm. you look at him? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also one of those weird uh, – one of the benefits of this – I don't want to say the biggest benefit because he brings a lot, of, lot to the table. One of the benefits of this is the fact that the Sixers won't have to face him anymore because he gave Joel Embiid fits when the Sixers would match up with the Celtics. So to have him, you know, kind of uh, on their side looking out instead of giving them trouble is an, is an added bonus to this. But, yeah, I think, you know, he he does a lot of the little things. His ability as a as a big to shoot the three consistently, uh, you can, he can pull attention away from him, beat down. The potential is really limitless, and it's going to be fun to see how Brett Brown utilizes this. All right, um, so now let's get move it over to the uh, the Phillies for a moment. Uh, this has not so far. There isn't a single move they made in the off season I didn't like. I liked all their off season moves. I thought they made themselves better. Doesn't mean it's always going to work out. In the first half of the season, what has worked and what hasn't? Um, I think in fits and starts, you've seen the star players play like star players. I think one of the weird things about this season like and it kind of was epitomized with the all-star selection i think jt real Muto was named to the all-star team he's been pretty good but he's a catcher and i think he's at a position that there's a premium agreed uh you know he plays a position that you don't have to be outstanding to make an all-star team and i don't mean that as a slight as him no, I, I think you know what i'm saying like you know if you're a consistent catcher in major league baseball you're going to get more uh more attention than most but you go past that, we could probably have a very robust – I could probably find you five reasons yes and five reasons against uh, pretty much everyone on the roster why you could argue right. that they should go to the All-Star game. And that's kind of been the thing. Like, you know, has Bryce Harper lived up to his contract? No. Has he been pretty good? Yeah. But he hasn't been great. Reese Hoskins has had his moments, but he's also had a couple deep slumps. 
Yeah, you know, Real Muto was pretty consistent until the last three. He's really for the. He's starting to emerge now, but he was really struggling there. Aaron Nola's been up and down. Uh, his record probably doesn't indicate how mediocre he's been for the most part. But that being said, last two starts have been really good. So I think if you were to categorize the first half of this season, it would be, uh, you know pedestrian mediocrity if that makes sense like they're everyone's kind of been okay but not probably to the level and i think the, the positive if you look at it a glass half full is they've got a lot of guys on this roster who have proven track records and you have to think that, and i'm talking guys in their prime not guys that are on the downside of their career that they're going to project better in the second half than they did in the first i also think it hasn't gotten a ton of of, uh, but before that Mets series where the Phillies really exploded, swept four straight, you know, and obviously take it with a grain of salt, it's with the Mets who are just a, a dumpster fire. But <laughs> there was a couple of interesting articles that came out and talked about how the Phillies were adjusting their approach as a team to how they go at it at the plate. And it was they were going away from what they were doing, which I think was very analytic-driven and looking in certain zones and certain situations and stuff like that. And they were just going to go hunt fastball. You know, I think that was actually the quote, go hunt fastball. Right. And then you saw them score whatever it was, 31 runs in that series uh, against the Mets and obviously cooled off a little bit the first couple games against Miami. But, uh, but that kind of – all of a sudden a lot of the inconsistency made sense to me that you had a lot of guys with proven track records, Bryce Harper, Segura, who came here and, like I said, they weren't terrible, but they weren't quite as, con- as consistent. And if you look at – maybe there was a little – oversaturation of information and it would explain to me why Bryce Harper was swinging and missing at 93 mile an hour fastballs like balls that you would think he would crush because maybe there's a tenth of a second of hesitation because well is this in the zone I need to be you know stuff like that like it explained a lot of things and if you just simplify it and just go do what's what got you here go do what earned you the big contract and then all of a sudden they're hitting a lot of lasers all over the place. So I'll be interested to see if the offensive ascension continues. Uh, long answer to a simple question. Uh, I think the pitching's been, with the exception of Aaron Nola, who has not been nearly as consistent as they need him to be, I think for the most part everything else has been what I thought it was going to be. I think uh, yeah. you know, starting pitchers, the rest of them, you know, Elliott is on the downside, but for the most part he battles and gives you six mm-hmm. right. serviceable innings every yes. time. Uh, Eflin's been good. Pavetta, Velasquez are up and down, and I think that's what they are. I think the, we've seen enough on them that you just kind of ride them when they're hot and you hope for the best when they're not throwing the ball well. Uh, and I think they're going to add an arm uh, come the end of the right. month. I don't know if it'll be a superstar, but right. they'll they'll add an arm. You yeah. know, in the, in the bullpen – it's hard to say. The bullpen has struggled for the most part, but at one time, I think we talked a few weeks ago, they literally had an entire bullpen on the injured list. That's like right. seven guys. So while it's frustrating to watch a kid like Edgar Garcia give up a lead in the eighth inning against the team, I think you have to take a step back and go, well, you know what? This kid should be pitching at double A. And That's right. it's really hard to fault him for not coming through in a situation that he's just not ready for yet. And that's no fault of anyone. It's just. If he were to list all the relievers, he would be like the 17th guy. But because of injuries, he's had to be put in this situation. So I think the bullpen will be better as it gets healthier. And, uh, you know, five and a half behind the Braves, big series starts tonight. Yeah, uh, if, no doubt. You know, if they can win two out of three here, I don't 
a sweep would be asking a lot. It would be great. But if they go sure. in two out of three here, kind of send a message, uh, cut that lead down a little more, that maybe, uh, you know, have more fun with the Mets uh, before the All-Star break, they'd, they'd have some jump in their step heading into the break. Because Atlanta was a team going into this season where, to me, the question was, okay, was that a one-year wonder? Or does it have some long-term staying power? They've proven through the first half of the season that their young talent has long-term staying power. So that's the part that has to be entered into this as well. Yeah, I do think, though, that the Braves haven't really hit a a skid yet. They haven't. And I don't mean like losing 13 in a row. But I mean, you know, uh, a a stretch that every team goes through where you lose 12 or 17 or something like that. And, you know, guys start scuffling. And you just kind of, the law of averages, I think that will bring them back to the Phillies a little bit. Uh, and you know, especially when you're when you're dealing with young players as dynamic as some of the. Don't get me wrong; they've got some talented young kids down there. Uh, you know, maybe not quite the consistency as the grind of the season wears on. Uh, I think the Phillies will be there in the end. I, you know, I would say to this point, it has been a disappointment given all the talent they've given, but uh, they're still plus four. I think I haven't looked at the sked the the wild card standings. Last I checked, they were like tied for the second spot. I think it's a little early to start kind of focusing on that, but they're going to be there in the end. I will, be, and I think they're going. To, like I said, I think they're going to add to the roster, uh, the specifically this, the rotation uh, come the deadline and make them a. Check out the podcast; it's outstanding. And as always, we thank you for your time. Hey, Matt, have a great Fourth of July. Enjoy it. You too. Thanks so much. Matt Leon from Philadelphia. Uh, quick update. 2-1, they're into extra time. I, I didn't see how many minutes they added, but Penn State's Alyssa Nair made the save of the World Cup. It was on a free kick for England, and she made the save of the World Cup. Uh, I did not see, Sean, how many minutes they added here. Goalkeeper you. How about that? Hey, well, in fact, well, it's funny because Amanda Dennis, who's the current goalkeeper for Penn State, has actually been helping out with baseball analytics at uh, Spikes games this summer. All right, we'll take a break. We'll wrap it up in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. For the first time in the history of the Women's World Cup, a team has reached the final three consecutive times. The United States has defeated England 2-1. There will be controversy about a second goal for England taken off the board on offside. But what will not be controversial, though, is that Alyssa Nair on a free kick, Penn State's Alyssa Nair, made the save of the World Cup. It was 2-1, free kick, point blank. She made the save. And when it was over, you saw an entire team run to hug their goalkeeper. And they were able to get away with this today without playing Megan Rapino, who evidently has a hamstring injury. They have bought her time. She'll be in the final, which will be either Netherlands or Sweden. I want to say that will be Sunday. 
that sound right? Yes. Well, the two Penn Staters on this team, Allie Krieger again, and she played in the matchup against the uh, Chile, uh, which that's expected. And Alyssa Nair, who's been prime time, and again, she just made the save of the World Cup. I want to say it happened in the somewhere in the like the eighty second, eighty third minute, something like that. They had one of the players from England. They were just showing her her last name is Bronze. It's just it's not the image I want to project if I'm playing in a tournament. All right, uh, so. <laughs> A little history made in this game. Uh, uh, Alex Morgan is the uh, first U.S. women's soccer player to score uh, two goals in women's uh, World Cup semifinal games. Uh, last time was in 2011, before today. Yeah. So uh, they needed her to come through big, as you pointed out earlier. She did. So they'll play for the World Cup. But again, it's Alyssa Nair, Penn State's own, with the save of the World Cup. She read it perfectly. Now they're 90 minutes away, or in this sport, maybe 97. And that will be on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So I'm going to kick back and watch that, and then I'll head over to the ballpark. I get a game Sunday night. I do a lot of home prep on on that anyway. In fact, I probably do more prep on that now than I ever have. You know, just trying to learn as much about guys as possible. That way, you can you know you can tell some better stories and things like that. Yeah, I mean, this is all. There's a lot of work that people don't see in this, but I think that's in anything. Uh, but it's work I enjoy doing. So it's Sweden and Netherlands. Okay, show of hands. Will anybody watch that? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. I thought, was, I thought it was tomorrow. I don't care what day they play, nobody's <laughs> watching it. <laughs> I mean, they'll be watching in the Netherlands and in, and in Stockholm. That's right. As they should. But here, just tell me later who they're playing. <laughs> like I said, when it comes to something like this, if the U.S. is playing in it, I'm watching it. If they're not playing in it, tell me later. <laughs> When it comes to this, I mean, I'm just a fan. I'm a homer. (laughs) Gritty win. They'll talk about it for a while. Ryan Snyder on recruiting tomorrow. Get you up to date on all the latest verbal commitments and other recruiting news. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.